The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all. Uh, I am the aforementioned uh, Tony Lightfoot and this is the TWBC Podcast. So great to, to have you on board. And... Uh, Got an interesting uh, uh, subject that uh, that we'll be uh, interviewing for this edition. Uh, none other than than Jay Bennett. Uh, Jay, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, Tony. How are you today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, we're in the midst of the long hot summer here in uh, South Louisiana, where the temperatures are soaring in to- towards triple digits. The water temperature pretty hot as well and uh, uh ski school are very much uh, alive and kicking even even uh, even though we've got we're still in the middle of a pandemic so to speak yeah we've been very fortunate tony uh, our clientele is large we got a really good staff this year a lot of skiers working together every day training together every day doing a great job on the water coaching our students so i'm real real fortunate with what we've got going on this year Okay, so what has what have been the major challenges uh, with uh, with with the pandemic going on? I mean, because I mean, I mean, a lot of people have been uh, are still very cautious about going out there. They're wearing masks and what have you, and staying indoors. But uh, but I mean, I, I I don't I don't see an awful lot of drop off in 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 student in students coming in and in, and enjoying the ski school. I agree with that, Tony. I think in any recreational business. Uh it's been great because people are looking to do things outdoors, looking to do things that are high in exercise. And we've been very fortunate. Where it did hurt us and it hurt a lot of other ski schools was that uh, we lost a tremendous amount of our international business in the springtime, two years in a row. But uh, we've rebounded well and have a great local clientele. And so we've been very fortunate to uh, dodge the bullet, per se, uh, with the pandemic. And uh, you, you speak about local clientele. How about uh, local local government entities? I mean, I, I mean, you, I mean, this this ski school facility enjoys a great amount of support from the city of Zachary and uh, and from a little further afield as well. Uh, what has been the response from those folks? Well, we go back to last summer uh, when we were fortunate enough to pull together the national water ski championships, which you were involved with. Um, and the situation at that point in time, I think our state and our local government was just really excited to be able to have something uh, to sink their teeth in, to be involved with, and to see people coming from all corners of the world to uh, Zachary, Louisiana. So it came off to be very, very successful for us. Okay, and obviously you speak of the nationals, and I mean, uh, I mean the response uh, from... Uh, from the skiing community at large among those competitors and their entourage from the nationals has been has, has been has been pretty positive and i mean and that's continued all the way through to this day hasn't it it has been tony and i believe every club and every person involved with our sport 
has taken the proper precautions. I know we had a lot of protocol in place for the national championships last year and fortunately had not one incident. Um, so I, I think people are just being smart about what they do. That's what we try to do here. We're trying to keep people spaced out, trying to do most all of our uh, camaraderie and, and events outside, and uh, it's worked out real well. All right, and uh, you recently held like a small record capability tournament. I mean, primarily for the staff and a few and, and a few others. I mean, I mean, how did that go? I mean, because there were a number of personal bests that uh, occurred there. Well, in the past, we normally do one to two record tournaments a year. Uh, we're fortunate when we do have record tournaments. We got a very good crew, great officials, great drivers, and then you get good skiers involved. You uh, have a combination for formulas where you're going to get some PBs. So that's what we do it for. We do it for the skiers' benefit. Our judges know that. Our drivers know that. And it's just a great compliment to the entire group to see that number of PBs in a tournament. Excellent stuff. Okay, let's let's move away a little bit from the from the tournaments uh, a, a little bit. And I mean, any anyone that comes here to Bennett's and is fortunate enough to come up uh, into into the house uh, can't help but be impressed by the by the plaque that's on the wall that uh, that has the uh, the Olympic torch. Uh, you you ran the Olympic relay in 1996. Uh, obviously, this time of year. It's it's an Olympiad. There's Tokyo 2020 going on, and a lot of conversation goes out there typically along the lines of why isn't water skiing in the Olympic Games? But you uh, have actually brushed alongside uh, events which almost mirror the Olympic Games, such as the Pan American Championships. And at one time, uh, and you told me earlier, you were actually involved a little bit in one of the early initiatives to get the sport into the Olympic Games. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Tony, at that point in time, we had great hope that we may could get into the Olympics the year that it was in Greece. Uh, Greece had... Uh, 2004. 2004. Greece had a couple of very good high-end water skiers, and it looked promising. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of pieces to the puzzle to us being able to get into the Olympics, and I'm asked that question over and over and over. I'm not sure that I'm the person that can answer it. I can tell you what, what my personal feelings are. I think we've come a long way with water skiing and our structure. We have an awful lot of rules in place for fair play. Um, things like the cruise control and our ability to track the boat path and uh, our video equipment that we use has put us in a situation to where we have eliminated, I think, a lot of the concerns of why we have not been in uh, the Olympics with water skiing in the past. Now, go back even further than that, when Ricky McCormick era and some of those guys, they did ski in the Olympics in an exhibition form. That was in 1972. That was 1972. So uh, that was a really good foot in the door, and it just never materialized. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, that was that was a demonstration event in which I recall, and this is read, read from some uh, press clippings and stuff like that, that I think Ricky McCormick actually won the jump event, a jump event in which Wayne Grimditch was actually a part of as well as part of that demonstration. And it was in a horrible setting, wasn't it? It was like Keel Harbour, it was like backwash and waves and that kind of stuff, you know, so I mean, it... 
it almost it almost seemed to me that even though we had our foot in the door with the Olympics in '72, they didn't give exactly give us the best stage or platform to to fully demonstrate and highlight the skill sets. I would agree with that, Tony. And you know, you research water skiing better than most people I know, so your your facts are are true in that, from what I can remember. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean, we. I mean, this sport is, Lord knows how many times we've tried to get into Olympics, various initiatives and stuff like that. You know, uh, I mean, more recently, you've been a coach for the Pan American Games team for the United States. But before that, way before that, you were involved in this Olympic torch relay way back for the Atlanta Games in 1996. Tell us, tell us that process of how, of how you were selected to, to run with that torch in the Baton Rouge area and what that experience was, was like uh, on, on the day or the night that it occurred. Well, Tony, it is an interesting story to me. I, I had a live-in uh, at 16 years of age. His name was Joe Spell. Mm-hmm. We all know Joe because of his support in, in our sport. He supports our pro events. He's the major supporter at the ULL water ski program. But Joe was a live-in here, training with us every day when he was 16. And they had a situation to where you could write a story or or present a a presentation uh, to pick local local heroes. And Joe wrote a piece on me, and therefore I was fortunate enough to be elected to run the torch, and it, it is something I'll never, you know, never forget. It was very cool, and I will remember it like it was yesterday, so it was neat. All right, yeah, because, I mean, I see it in the background there. I mean, it's uh, it's... I mean, it's barely been used because I think they, they give Olympic torches to those who carry them as souvenirs, don't they, each one of them? Yeah, it was a really nice uh, token, and it was really neat experience in the fact that I was athletic at that time, and I was on the uh, bus where they drop you off to, to run your half mile with an awful lot of really good athletes, some Olympic athletes, most local guys. But the coolest thing about it is it was also community heroes that were not necessarily athletes. They had did big things in their in their community as far as fundraisers and charity work, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I enjoyed seeing the excitement in those people at that level much more than the people like myself that were athletes on the on the run. So it was really neat. Now, in recent in recent times, I mean, what with the ski, what we've run in the ski school and the boat businesses and all that and all that kind of stuff, you kind of you kind of took a little bit of a step back from the actual day to day coaching of, of of athletes, and but you've but you've kind of stepped back into that game in recent times, and uh, one one of those times was actually to be the head coach of Team USA in the Pan American Games, which took place, what was it, in 2019 in, in Lima, Peru. Kind of tell us a little bit about that, because the Pan American Games, in so far as water skiing is concerned, alongside the World Games, is about the closest that tournament water skiing gets to being in a multi-sport Olympic-type setting. Yeah, Tony, first thing, I was very fortunate to have that opportunity, uh, it was at a point where I had slowed down with the boat business and the pro shop, and I had an opportunity to uh, be asked to 
to do that. And I, there's a lot of things that think that stick out in my mind on, on that particular week. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a little taste of the opening ceremonies, walking through the Coliseum, just like it, like you see with the Olympics. And uh, it was televised on ESPN, the opening ceremonies. It's, my wife watched the ceremonies on TV, so I thought that was pretty cool. But the thing that stuck out the most to me is the venue itself, the amount of equipment, the amount of media, um, the type of products that they needed to make that tournament uh, have appeal, being the uh, Pan American Games, was unbelievable. And at some points in time, we'd have 25, 30 people with cameras and TV and reporters doing interviews. It was just really remarkable to, for us to have an opportunity to get that kind of exposure for water skiing. Okay, and one of the skiers who who you who you who you, uh, you train on a, on a, on a fairly infrequent basis is Regina Jaquist, and I mean, and I, and I see the picture of her downstairs with the with the Pan American bib and everything on, and the nice little signature and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it must it must have been an absolute thrill for you to to take her from where she was to where she to where she ended up being as as a result of the Pan American Games and the Women's Jump event at the very least? Well, you know, I've really enjoyed my time working with Regina. I can't take much credit for where she is in, in her sport and where she is in her accolades. Uh, glad to be part of it, glad to be able to assist her. A um, little disappointed uh, as she is right now in having a, a recent knee injury. But uh, also at that point in time, I was... Uh, working with Taylor Garcia, so I had both those guys on the team, so that was uh, fun for me. And the rest of the team was just exceptional. The, the all Everyone did a great job. Uh, I had a team manager, a longtime friend, Scott Greenwood. Couldn't ask for a better crew for that, for that week at the Pan Am Games. Okay, and uh, we speak a little bit about Regina Jaquist, and you did hint upon the fact that uh, she is – uh, currently trying to recover and rehab from from an ACL tear uh, that she sustained just just before the Masters. Uh, have you kept in Have you kept in touch with her a little bit uh, bit since then? Because I mean, from what I've been able to ascertain, uh, she may not be able to jump for the worlds, but there is an outside chance that uh, that with the rehab schedule that she's going through right now, she could well be in the frame for the women's slalom at least for the worlds. I think that is uh, more just water ski talk. It's more uh, uh, speculation than anything. Uh, you know, you never count Regina out on anything that she does, but Regina's also a very smart young lady, and I think she's going to do the things she needs to do to rehab, get the legs strong, and get her career started back in the right way. So, you know, time tells on what's going to go on, but uh, and everyone heals differently in that process. Uh, in the world of athletes now, ACLs are a common injury, so we'll just have to see how it goes for her. We're, we're pulling for her. Yeah, and she definitely sought out uh, one of the best best people out there to uh, to help her start a rehab with the with, with the surgery. A, uh, a doctor who who actually started his career in in the Baton Rouge area, where actually graduated out of LSU. Uh, what was it, Doctor Andrews, I believe? Well, she went to Andrews Clinic and. Uh, it's, you know, world-renowned. But Dr. Kyle Kane, I believe, is the gentleman that actually did the surgery. 
Okay. All right then. So uh, moving forwards a little bit. I mean, we go we go back to events and stuff like that. I mean, not so much the Olympics and that stuff, but I mean, over the over the years, you've been involved in in having pro level tournaments uh, such as such as LA Night Jam, and this season coming up is the collegiate nationals right here at Tri Lakes at Bennett the Bennett's Water Ski and Wakeboard School this coming October. And I don't know how many times this site has actually held the collegiate nationals, but I, I, but I can honestly say without reservation that this site has basically become almost synonymous as Omaha is to to men's baseball with the with the College World Series. You know, it, it almost seems that every other every other occasion, the collegiate nationals is here. Well, that's very nice of you, Tony. You know, collegiate skiing has always been uh, very important to us we've always tried to support it in every way that we can and we have been fortunate we our site is really set up really good for for our national collegiate championship the camaraderie and the team spirit and the things that you see go on through the course of the week is uh so much different than the type of tournaments that we're normally involved with on a professional level so it's just a real fun week to uh, have all the college teams in here and watch the skiing, and the skiing now is at off a high level. Okay, and you've been involved with collegiate skiing for Lord knows how long, and obviously that was reflected in the fact that in the inaugural class of the NCWSA uh, Hall of Fame, you were you were among the the first uh, first inductees. So I mean, you, I mean, back in the eighties, you started. Uh, bringing your coaching talents to the LSU collegiate uh, water ski team, I think back in '84, and I think Sherry Sloan was part of that team. So, I mean, from that perspective, how much has really changed, and what has been the real true highlight for you, uh, being being someone who has been involved in collegiate skiing almost since its inception? Well, you know, Tony, it goes even further back than that. It goes back to when we first. Uh started our water ski school on public water, uh, body of water, about 30 minutes from here called False River. Um, and, and my wife was competing in collegiate skiing, Terry Eberhardt, Biff Bayard, that group of guys and girls. And it all reflected around having a good time and having fun. And as the sport got bigger and there was more and more teams involved, some of the schools were fortunate enough to create scholarships and and I think that's a great opportunity. I, I'd like to see more and more of that happen with more schools. But um, the camaraderie and the fun part of it is uh, still what sticks out in my mind of what's so great about collegiate water skiing. All right, and uh, collegiate collegiate water skiing has uh, has definitely yielded yielded some great times, some great national championship moments. I mean, like what was it? NLU or uh, uh, ULM now? I mean, because let, let's not forget that ULM started out life life as Northeastern Louisiana University before it changed its name in 1997. Much the same as USL became uh, ULL or Louisiana Lafayette in 1997. So I mean, we we can't ignore the heritage. Uh, where it where it comes into play for both of those teams, but each of those programs has benefited tremendously. The campuses are treme- uh, have benefited tremendously by having those teams involved. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. You know, our ski school uh, benefits also from it. Uh, 
a majority of our staff comes from those programs. Our summer staff comes from those programs. So it's a great situation. The guys and girls continue to be able to train through the summer. They are able to work and coach each other and help each other out in, in you know, carrying on the team format. And it also helps us out tremendously to have a staff that we know that we can depend on. All right, and you've been involved in water, in the the, the Swarted Ski uh, Ski School for well over 40, 40 years, closer to forty five years, yeah. if we're being honest. You know, so I mean, in all in all of that time, you've you you've been witness to some of the of the defining moments and the defining you know things that have that have happened that you know that have produced tournament water skiing of today what do you what do you think stands out whenever whenever you consider the the history of of water skiing in so far as the ski school is concerned starting from there all the way up to common day what what do you think stands out in your mind as to as to a highlight well I, I think that's an easy one for me um there's a lot of highlights but from the very start of the programs at uh, ulm I was involved with that, and to watch that team win the number of national championships that they won will always be uh, something that stands out in my mind. And now you've seen ULL's program come on so strong in the last four or five years, and they're becoming dominant in the sport of collegiate water skiing. The other thing that stands out in my mind is having a site where we had so many national water ski championships is seeing the records that both female and male skiers uh, would break. And uh, that's exciting to, and a privilege to have a site that holds the number of collegiate national records that we do. All right. And uh, before we end off this webcast a little bit, uh, we've got a couple, we'll, we'll end off with a couple of questions. But what about what about Jay the person himself? Because I mean, you, you, I mean, you've you've enjoyed a great amount of uh, success and good times here obviously that's come at a little bit of a cost you know in in, ter- in terms of health and what and what have you but you're trying hard to get back into into really good healthy shape by by taking on what is it pickleballing yeah uh, enjoying playing pickleball uh found out about it heard about it six months or so ago and thought it would be something to be fun so went to the local ymca kind of checked into it a little bit and and uh, enjoy enjoy playing. It's trying to calm the competition uh, factor in me and just enjoy it a little bit. But back to the water skiing, you know, we built this facility in hopes to be able to train and water ski. And, and as I built it into a business, it really kind of took the actual skiing for me personally away. So then I was able to be somewhat successful uh, coaching some of the best athletes in the world and then as the other businesses got bigger i got where i didn't even have the time to do very much coaching so now that things have slowed down and uh, my daughter has taken over the boat business in the pro shop with her with her husband steve it's uh given me a lot of time and and i i don't don't mean to be uh ugly or anything but it's kind of I'm kind of doing selective coaching. I kind of go out and coach a few people that I want to coach, and I'm having fun with that. And and it's uh, stress level is not too high like it used to be when I was doing it 24 seven. 
as an extension to that, you did, did, men, did mention uh, Danielle and Steve. You, you're a grandfather now, twice over now. Yes, sure am, yeah. Uh, Elena, she's uh, almost three years old, and it looks like she's kind of starting to take to the water now. And hadn't been any big push for her. It's here in her backyard. And uh, Olivia, two little girls, uh, and Olivia's uh, just turned one-year-old. So uh, Danielle, has, and Danielle and Steve both have their hands full. Excellent. And uh, and before we end off the, this this podcast, I get, normally give uh, the people who are interviewing the chance to say their thanks and acknowledge those that have uh, that have helped their path to where they are now. So I'll give you that opportunity. Well, I was very fortunate through the years, and you never forget where you come from, and you never forget some of the people to help mentor you and and uh, give you advice and and you know help you along the way. Uh, unfortunately, my father he. He was my biggest supporter with my mother, but uh, unfortunately, my father passed away quite a long time ago. And in the water ski world, uh, a longtime friend, Ralph Armstrong, just passed away. He was a great mentor to me. I still have a good friend, Sam Newsom, uh, living down in Florida. He was uh, very instrumental in showing me the way in water skiing in the early days. So, uh, you know, you were very fortunate to be able to have those kind of people back in the day help you along and and uh give you advice and give you encouragement to do what you're doing all right then well uh we're going to end off the podcast here thank you very much uh, to to jay bennett for being a participant in this podcast enjoyed it tony thank you for giving me the opportunity not a problem. And uh, that concludes this episode of the TWBC podcast. Uh, be sure to tune in uh, for the next episode. But, uh, but until now, I'll say a ciao for now. Take care. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.